Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DNBR Draft Pod, our guy J Mike is back. If you've been following him, you've been raking it in at our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, the place for all your March Madness draft props and beyond. We're gonna get into that, but first, Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yesterday was fun. It was a gorgeous day in Fort Collins. Couldn't really get much better, actually. The sun was shining and stuff. First day of pads, so that was exciting. Then I got home, and it's the Final Four, which I love. San Diego State, crazy, crazy win. Insane. Made um, me some money on DraftKings, so that was cool. But this run to the title game for them is just so cool as a Mountain West guy. It's It's mm. been fun to see. I mean, obviously, the league has struggled in, in the NCAA tournament over the last couple of years, so to finally get this run is... It's just relieving. I was I was so tired of hearing all the narratives. So it's it's dope. Maybe they'll get a national title. We'll see. UConn is insane. UConn has been nuts, um, and it's been magical once again this year. We've bet on every underdog straight up on the money line, and despite that tough loss for FAU, who was in the lead for thirty minutes. Um, we are still up 20 units. Just insane stuff, man. Gotta love the tourney. And yeah, UConn, last two rounds, we've like, as someone who had the underdog on the money line straight up, it was kind of like, I'm I'm not even turning this on. What's the point? Um, so credit to them. And feels like full-blown draft season, man. We missed you on the last couple episodes, but of course, you've been crushing it. And beyond the hoop stuff, crushing it, you talked to Jay Norvell recently. Tell us about that. You uh, you guys got into Sean Payton a little bit too. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, we've we've been fortunate to have good access on the spring ball side, but Norvell obviously has been really cool and, and gracious enough to come into the studio on a couple of different occasions. And most recently, he came in on National Signing Day, so it's it's been a little while now since that. But mm-hmm. I was kind of going back through that, and I just realized a lot of the stuff that we dove into was really relevant right now, just regarding kind of his philosophy as a coach and prioritizing certain traits over positional experience and believing that Mm. with quality coaching, if you have the guys with those right traits, that your, your potential to succeed is just so much higher. And what was cool was he kind of talked about how from his time in the NFL, he spent six years in the NFL Four years with the Colts, two with the Raiders. He was there in Indy for Peyton's first four years. So 
you know, spent time with him and, and Marvin Harrison and was yeah. a big part of his development. Then he spent time uh, with the Raiders for a couple of years, was on their Super Bowl staff. Al Davis, though, in particular, was like a big, big influence on him. Al Davis and Bill Parcells, two guys that he really, really respects. And that's kind of where Sean Payton comes into play. He talked yeah. about the experience that Sean Payton had under him and just the benefit of that and and learning how to be a true leader of men because Norvell, you know, believes there's this misconception that NFL players don't need as much coaching as college players or high school players. And it, the reality is, is great players embrace coaching and they kind of want that. But it's not just about being a great schemer or creative or something of like that. Like you also have to be able to get these grown men collectively to buy into you as a leader and to get them to buy into your vision and, and what you're doing. And Peyton and Norvell, they go way back. They've known each other for years. And Norvell just kind of talked about how Peyton is that guy. Yes, he's brilliant, but he's a leader of men. And I think that's what we've been lacking in Denver for a really long time now. Yeah, tremendous insights. Um, what can you add to that? It's great stuff. It's why we missed you, Jay Mike. It's why you got to always check out what Justin's doing, whether you're a Rams fan or not, because he's tapped in. Um, and man, full blown draft season right now. It's heating up. We will get into the defensive line. I think it's one of those top needs for Sean Payton and the Broncos. We can get into some Parcells tree stuff, building from the inside out. Um, additions to Zach Allen, Draymond Jones, tons to unpack. Really intriguing classes, both edge and defensive line. But I want to start with a little quarterback talk because Hendon Hooker suddenly appearing in first rounds of mocks. I had him ahead of Will Levis. I think you had him fairly high as well. Um, something that doesn't get talked about as much is that he is 24, yes, but so is Will Levis, or Will Levis will be 24 in his rookie season. Um, so it's, you know. But anyways, Chris Sims, who's in the draft community, seen as a guy who's nailing um, his quarterback evals. I saw had him in his top five and ahead of Will Levis. Um, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, had him mocked really high. Daniel Jeremiah, obviously as tapped in as anyone, also had him mocked in the 20s. Hendon Hooker, can you believe it? And ultimately, where could this guy go, dude? Yeah, I mean, I, I can believe it for sure. He's got maybe the prettiest deep ball in the entire class, but yeah. I thought he showed a lot more this this year before he got hurt. Obviously, it was disappointing how this season kind of mm -hmm. played out, but he really elevated that Tennessee offense in a way that Will Levis never did for Kentucky. And obviously, yeah. I've I've ranted about that plenty of times, so I'm not really going to go down that rabbit hole again. But the the tough part with Hooker and his evaluation is obviously the scheme and just the fact that it's it's a lot of you know quick throws it's not a ton yeah. of reads but he did do a little bit of it i mean it's just it's it's a tough projection but i mean he throws a great ball he's a great leader he's obviously a dude that kind of galvanized that offense and led them on the run and they did have a lot of talent at the receiver position and it's something to consider a guy like jalen hyatt he's always wide open yeah. but i mean i i like him a lot more than i like levis at least he's proven it 
For sure. And I think like, yes, there's a lot of catch and throw passes, which I mean, maybe we should develop more offenses where that's the standard in the NFL instead of mocking an offense like that. Um, obviously, they use, they use the like depth of the college field to their advantage a little more. Um, and let's face it. I mean, this isn't the Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech air raid presented similar issues. The Geno Smith, West Virginia um, Dana Holgerson, you know, their own variation of the air raid Minshew's a guy who came out of this Luke Falk, Jared Goff, right? Like, um, and so it's, it's just part of like, welcome to the fight. Uh, if you've been doing the NFL draft for any time, this is just part of the gig with Hendon hooker, the age, the ACL more troubling because we don't talk about it nearly enough really good athlete put on the tape runs nice has that pro frame so he's bouncing off people well um and like a josh allen like a pat mahomes a guy who's done things at a program that no one's done for about 15 20 years now that's that doesn't automatically mean you're successful uh forever just look look locally at um you know sefo lufau would fall under that he didn't Garrett translate Grayson. to the NFL. Garrett Grayson's another great one. A Sean Payton draft pick. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot to like. Uh, the Goff, Geno comps, I think, are are there. Those are fair. Yeah, yeah, right? But shit, I think he's a better athlete than both. He is. And, and while there are some flaws, or I don't even want to say flaws, while there's some challenges of evaluating, of evaluating these quarterbacks to be in this type of system. You also have to be able to make any type of throw on the field. And I mean, he can, so there's just a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to like about him. There's a lot of upside. He's, he's really fun to watch. I mean, I'd love to have him on my team. Yeah. I don't know if the Tannenbaum eval exactly helps (laughs) his cause because he feels more like a late first round pick to me. Yeah, but I I love him, and I would love to see it work out for him, especially after kind of how disappointingly Tennessee's run ended. Yeah, no kidding. Um, magical season, and then in the end, it's kind of like, eh, what you have to show for it? Um, more quarterback talk because everyone's going gaga over Anthony Richardson's pro day showing. It's like, holy cow! I we're funny, man. We're real funny. I just what are we gonna learn? That we're, like, yes, these guys look really great throwing in their underwear with no defense and the lights, you know, and the cameras. It's it's a lot of fun. He's got all the the physical traits in the world. I, I understand why somebody could get infatuated with it, but there are just guys that have proven it so much more consistently than than Richardson or Levis, and I. I just don't get it. I don't know. It feels like such a big risk. Everybody's trying so hard to hit that Mahomes type pick mm-hmm. that they're just ignoring like glaring red flags. I mean, I was saying it around midseason. I think, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, and more recently, Jalen Hurts are really changing um, how we evaluate quarterbacks, how much more how much less risk averse we are 
with drafting quarterbacks. And we talk about this with salaries. We talk about this with quarterbacks being able to make demands. Quarterbacks are like the one position in the NFL that's like an NBA player, right? And we're <laughs> look at it's reflecting in the draft now, Justin, where we're evaluating quarterbacks like we evaluate NBA prospects, where it's all about tools, it's all about traits, upside. Um, and we just need to find them the right situation, right? But as long as you've got that wingspan and the pretty jumper, it doesn't matter if it's hitting at a 28% clip from three. We're going to believe, you know, we're going to talk ourselves into your percentages from the corner on, oh, no, he's a 75% free throw shooter, I believe, we in can the jumper. Him. We can yeah, He hasn't exactly. worked with our guys yet. Exactly, exactly man. It's, and once in a while, that guy is Giannis, right? Um, and once in a while, also grew like five inches after they drafted him, which was a big bonus, but, and the one like long skinny guy who's actually been able to put on masks. Like usually those guys really struggle with that. Um, but Hey, that's where Anthony Richardson's at and DraftKings Sportsbook right now drafted over position four and a half plus 200. That means the under Four and a half minus 250. That means they think he does not slip by the Colts. I think the thinking at four, that is, I think the thinking is also after, um, you know, the first overall pick for the Panthers and then basically the Texans taking who's left over at two that the cards will trade out of that spot at three. And that Anthony Richardson has significantly moved himself into that third spot. Um, and so one way or another, whether it's with a trade up to the cards or the Colts pulling the trigger, I think the over is still intriguing because to me, his floor, I put that in quotations because I, I don't think this is his floor, um, is, is the Seahawks at five who are very interesting, very interesting how they're playing this. How does Lamar factor into this and, would you rather would you rather trade a top four pick for Lamar Jackson right now than draft Anthony Richardson? <laughs> like that seems pretty obvious to me. But. Right. The the question answers itself. Um, even with having to pay Lamar what you have to pay him, the question answers itself. Plain and simple. With Lamar, this situation does afford you to be a little greedy. To where, say, I end the Colts, I would pull the trigger on the trade when the draft is done, use that fourth pick, hypothetically speaking, on something else, and then you're getting our first next year and the first of the year after when I have a team that's quarterbacked by Lamar Jackson and hopefully the fourth overall pick at a very nice rookie contract who's also becoming um a franchise centerpiece for me and that's kind of the direction it seems to be heading everybody's kind of at least as far as the the nfl rumors and speculation goes is that it'll be it'll be post-draft but it does not seem like lamar is going to be a raven next year it's i don't it's going to be interesting maybe they can always just match any offer that, that comes onto the table but it's yeah it's a weird spot and i do think like after the even the 15th pick, those teams might be more incentivized to get rid of, like, start the clock now on getting rid of our first rounders. Um, so, you know, it does kind of depend. There is, it's just been a weird market. 
it's been a weird market. Um, yeah. Feels like that's when the Patriots come and swoop in and break all of our hearts. Um, that feels like the nightmare scenario. And speaking of nightmare scenarios, I have some once we get into our edge and D-line rankings because there are some guys where it's like, holy shit, don't let him end up in Kansas City, please. Um, As far as the Broncos go, where do you put this on their need list? You swap out Draymond for um, Zach Allen, two guys I had a second round grade on and I've been thinking about a lot. And then the edge rotation, promising, intriguing, Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Bonito, Randy Gregory, healthy, but also arguably one of their top needs. I like Bennett, or Brian, I just, I don't know. I It kind of depends on if he, what? Browning. No, the, the, who they, the guy they signed from Arizona. Zach Allen. Allen, I don't know what, what I said, but like I said Brian. Brian, Brian. I'm thinking that's a country singer, Zach. <laughs> that's from my head, Zach. Guys, I'm sorry, I'm tired. I like Zach Allen, whose name I do know, and I'm not going to mess up again. Um, it just depends on if he can bring the same type of versatility that Draymond did, as as far as being able to go inside or outside. And I think there's a possibility there, but I also think that's kind of a tough sell. I'd like to see them add another interior and exterior defensive lineman yeah. regardless. I just think they need better depth there. Yeah, 100%. Um, saw a mock on ESPN seven round, seventh rounder, and it had Zach Harrison, the edge out of Ohio State, and Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from Miami. That'd be a nice little one-two punch. But I agree completely. I do like that Zach Allen's going to be familiar with that Vance Joseph front. I do think he has that inside-outside versatility. I think he's more of a length and strength, keep you at bay, make the play, than a penetrator and disruptor the way Draymond was. Um, So having some penetrators and disruptors to pair with him would be really nice. It's where maybe you can take some shots on some flashy guys. So let's get into it. Right after we talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, the king of sportsbooks, um, number one in the world. As I told you, we are up 20 units, betting the money line straight up for every March Madness game. Just incredible. Uh, You know, the dogs that have gone deep, FAU, I have a ticket for every single FAU game. Um, It's that kind of thing. And... um, Right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet on these draft props as we talked about Anthony Richardson. You might have, you know, you might have your guys. You might have some spicy takes on how Jameer Gibbs is going to be the first running back taken. Boy, you'd get a lot of value on that. You might be a Dalton Kincaid's the first tight end taken. Minus 105 on that one. Devin Witherspoon, first cornerback taken, plus 155. Oh, the draft position of Christian Gonzalez intrigues you. Six and a half. You can get the over at minus 180. Parlay that with some stuff. Have yourself a ball. Over four and a half wide receivers. Yes, please. Plus 230, kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You believe a a Josh Downs, um, someone like that slips into the the late first? Believe it, kid. We're going to talk wide receivers next week or maybe the week after. I'm really hyped for that one. 
Um, and right now, there's an action-packed UFC 287 fight card coming up for an epic rematch. Alex Pereira against Izzy Adesanya. That's going to be phenomenal stuff. And you, a new DraftKings user, can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if your fighter wins. Download the app now. Use code DMVR. New customers can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if the fighter wins this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I don't love it, man. Summer's perfect for, for UFC season. I it almost really like I love baseball too, but it's good fun. Post 2020, like April to August, that's kind of UFC season for me. That's a that's a good take right there. That's a great take. Baseball is amazing. Um, UFC is amazing, rather. Yeah. And baseball with the new rhythm, I, I do not mind either. I'm into it too, man. Like, I have some complaints about the state of the Rockies and their ownership and all that, but I've decided that ultimately they're still my team. I've always watched them. I mean, it's, it's a great sport. I'm not going to just not watch it because the yeah. only person that really loses in that scenario is me. They're still making money. They're still chugging along. I'm going to enjoy the summer. There you go. That's the right perspective. Um, Right. Okay. You're not setting me up for a second read. We're going to get into these edge rushers because that that would have been a perfect setup for, um, you know, what's coming. Um, Yeah. So edge class. Honestly, dude, slightly underwhelmed once I put these guys under the microscope prepping for this. There's a lot of flashes. It's uh, AJ and I early on in the draft pod days would talk about um, YouTube responsibly. Lots of YouTube responsibly guys in this edge class. Lots of flashes. But if you watch the tape, um, meh, meh, on a play-by-play basis, some underwhelming dudes. So, take that into consideration. I didn't get to do the safety episode, but Brian Branch, for example, has as many, if not more, tackles for a loss this past season than a lot of the guys we're going to get into. Um, And yeah, I think it's... Obviously, there's a lot of positional value in an edge class um, in the modern NFL, and there's a lot of upside, certainly, but... It, it's not one of the top groups, and I was excited going into this. It is definitely one of my favorite episodes, no matter what. But yeah, I think it's more of a still maybe one of the five-ish best groups this year. Um, wide receiver corner for sure ahead, tight end for sure ahead, arguably quarterback for sure ahead. And I think I'd put the tackles ahead of this group. The offensive tackles. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, there's, there's, there are guys to like. I certainly would not be wanting to invest like a top 15 pick in a lot of these guys. And a couple of these guys are going to be top 15 picks because that's just the yep. nature of the draft. Yes, sir. I mean, I love Will Anderson. He's a freak. I don't yep. think anything about my opinion has changed on him over the years. Maybe didn't have quite the 
flash that everybody was hoping for this year, but teams yeah. are scheming away from him. If you watch the entire game, he's not going to have those massive numbers that he had early on because he's dictating offensive game plans. He literally changes what you do. Yep. There's nothing he can't do. He's perfect for the modern NFL. I, I love him. I still like Miles Murphy as well. He needs refinement, but I just think he's he's proven it in a much larger sample size than a lot of these other guys have. Yep. And I think we've kind of had some prospect fatigue with him. Yeah, but really, like out of those outside of those two, it, it gets tough for me because I really like the the high end, the flash on a lot of these guys. But I'm I'm not sure many of them are three down players. A lot of them need a lot of refinement. I mean, Tyree mm. Wilson's got length for days. Uh, Lucas Van Ness is is really raw. He's got a solid frame, but he's relentless. I could see him with the right coaching, yeah. kind of getting some better hand technique, that type of stuff. Maybe he could flash. But I don't know. Like, do I think those guys are top fifteen picks right now? Eey, we'll see. Where are you at? Right. It's, I mean, preach my brother, really great stuff, uh, top to bottom. The Will Anderson for me is question isn't like, how good is he? It's more like how elite of an edge prospect is he? Because, you know, I think the poo-pooing last season where he had 17 tackles for a loss against a Bama team that maybe didn't have as comfortable leads and made it harder to just pin your ears back and just hunt guys um, is like, what, what are we, especially in a class like this is like, what are we talking about? Like so many of these guys could barely get to double digit sacks and where you want to tell me about Will Anderson's production, like settle down. Also, he's, he's super young, but it's like, I swear, especially against the pass, because Will's a freak against the run. Bosa brothers, Miles Garrett, even Shadavion Clowney, like they tilted the line more. Um, they were just like constantly in the backfield. Will Anderson's in the backfield a lot, not quite at that level. So he's, I don't think he's quite going to be at an elite grade for me. I think he's more in that top 10 tier where it's like this guy, these guys are top 10 worthy prospects in most years, all things being equal. I think he'll be just behind Bryce and CJ Stroud for me in this class as the third best prospect. So I love Will. I think he's just a very easy um, eval and the fairly young too, like he's 21 and a half. Um, so checks off a lot. And I'm with you on Miles Murphy, another young guy. And while you see Tyree Wilson and some of these other guys, Will McDonald, Zach Harrison, it's like, Jesus Christ, these are so long. Miles Murphy's freaky long. Uh, so he's he's got prototypical, like high-end size, pedigree, uh, production to some extent. He's going to be like Brian Bercy, Trent Simpson. All these guys from the Clemson defense have a little stank on them from last season. Like that was underwhelming. And second half of last year, that Clemson defense with all those NFL guys looked very pedestrian. ACC offenses were able to kind of do what they wanted with them. Um, but look, he's he's got a refined arsenal. Like he's got the athleticism. I don't think he's maybe going to be a perennial pro bowler, but a high-end starter who's going to get paid some good money for a decent amount of years. Yes. And yeah, then it's Tyree Wilson, where it's like, ah, he's a little older, which scares me. Didn't do some of the testing, which I think tells you a lot. 
Um, he's sometimes better attacking from the inside than he has out outside, right? Um, and you could add to that frame a little bit. So again, I think there's a solid pro there. Is he a freak? Is he a guy that you really build your front around? Borderline, borderline. And then to me, the next tier is Van Ness, Nolan Smith. I kind of see like neck and neck. Um, I think we have the exact same top five. <laughs> it's that kind of class, man. It's that yeah. kind of class. Um where Smith, despite a diminutive size, you really like him against the run. I mean, really like him. He's everywhere. His his lanes are perfect. He's got yeah. great vision. His pursuit is a lot of fun to watch. He's rangy. Yep. He can go sideline to sideline. Yep. I mean, him and Anderson, I think, are the best against the run in this class just because the ground <laughs> that they cover. So true. So true. Um, yeah, and as a pass rusher, eh, honestly... Van Ness might be a more consistent pass rusher. Insane to say. Um, that's not a compliment to Nolan Smith. Now, Nolan Smith's top gear as a pass rusher, I think, is better than where Van Ness's top gear is. And then Van Ness can look... He looks a little stiff on tape sometimes, but put on the indie workouts, he's so smooth and tested absurdly well. And once in a while, if he drops in coverage, like there's some pursuit stuff where it's like, okay... There's a little more to this kid than you thought. Um, I think he just needs to learn how to use his length. I think he's a yeah, guy that's yep. still kind of grow, like getting used to that body. You're the 6'10 kid when you're 14, and you're just exactly. kind of awkward. But two, three years from now, he keeps getting stronger, keeps working on those moves. I think it's going to be a big advantage at some point. Oh, 100%. Um, so... I was lower on him, but I've gotten higher. The other thing for Van Ness and Smith that's separate, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, upside guys in this class, but puts them kind of in their own tier of being the upside guys after that top three is that with Van Ness and Smith, I've seen these flashes against high-end O-linemen. Um, the Skaronsky Pancake, uh, pretty nice showing against uh, Ohio State for Van Ness. Smith against Bama and some of the other top matchups is where he played some of his better football. So I like that because the next tier of guys we're going to talk about, um, there's a lot of dudes that my notes say, like, he'll make a career out of beating up on backup tackles. He'll, he'll make a great career of getting, you know, one and a half sacks when he's playing against the backup right tackle in week 15. Um, and that's where they'll shine. But when he's when he's having to be the, the right defensive end against a top 10 left tackle in the league on Monday Night Football, he's kind of going to, like, fade for you. Um, so, yeah, and... It's like a lot of guys where you like the floor, you just don't love the ceiling. Great. They're going to be on your roster. Yes. They're going to produce, but yes. it's it's just nothing special, and it's going to be replaceable. And you know, it wouldn't shock you if you draft this guy. And yeah, it's four good years, but you just move on because you know that you can right. get exactly that in the next class. I, I mean, maybe one of these guys pops, and then we look like jackasses for putting them in that conversation. And in there are moments that I've liked with you know, BJ Ojolari and Anu Duque, Uzumoa out of Kansas State. He's probably my favorite out of of these other ones. But I mean, I just, 
I needed to see more from the Will McDonald's and Isaiah Foskey's of the world. And it, it just really isn't there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The ones I'd like to talk about, Felix Oduke Uzoma um, tested recently at his pro day, had a sub seven second three cone. And you see that that's probably his best trait is that bend. Um, and fairly refined hands are good, has some different moves playing in a lot of three man fronts as a defensive end, which like not where he should be lined up. He should be out wide. He can probably be a stand up edge. He's disappointing against the run, but he's got that high end trait of being able to rush the passer from the outside, which again, for me, he's also kind of the top one of this group. Um, he's also younger and productive. Well, yeah, I don't think he's we've really seen exactly what he can be just because of the weirdness of some of those Kansas State fronts. But he yeah, he's got a relentless motor. Yeah. As you mentioned, he's he's not great against the run. He doesn't cover a ton of ground sideline to sideline, but just yep. going downhill after the quarterback, it's third down. You right. need a sack, he's gonna make that play. One of the better closers, like closing speed, he gets his hands on you, is gonna make an impact play. Um, he's not just going to force you out the pocket. He's actually going to close the play. Lots of sacks in bunches, like had double-digit sacks a year ago, and he's one of a long group of 2021 was better than 22 for them. Um, and last year, he starts off super hot. Dude, final six games until the Big 12 championship does not have a tackle for a loss, you know? So... He just, uh, and when you are a one-trick pony and you're not hitting, on, you're going through long stretches of that one trick, you know, you're like a three-point shooter who you got, you went through a shooting slump. Like, that's 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 rough. Um, I feel so, Shane Ray-esque like that, where dude, just like he would just, he would pop off for two, three games at a time, and then it'd be six weeks with nothing, and then he has a two-and-a-half sack game, and you're like, wait, where'd that come from? Dude, that's one of my notes. He he reminds me too much of guys I love who've burnt me. Shane Ray, Nate Orchard, these kind of guys. Um, so that's a concern, but you got to be intrigued by the top tool. McDonald would be higher up in the convo for me. If it wasn't, he's old. He's almost 24. And it's same with Keon White, who can have some stretches where he does um, really look good. And then... Um, and look, McDonald, if it wasn't for the senior bowl, we wouldn't even be talking about him this high because he really showed some stuff at the senior bowl. He's longer than God. And he does, he just has this deceptive, like he gets past you. And then he's so long. He impacts plays like he, um, he's quicker than you think. Oh man. He's, he's got some real deceptive, like twitch and like Houdini that, the great edges like have that this Houdini ability to just slip blocks and all of a sudden they're there. Oof. But he's playing in three-man fronts. I mean, at the combine, he weighed under 240 pounds and his run D is terrible, terrible. It's the times. same deal. It's just like, I think I, I like bringing him in if it's third and 12 and I could see him being a pretty effective pass right. rush specialist, right. but is he well, going to be a three down guy? I, kind of doubt it that's the thing i swear if we isolated just the plays where he's lined up as a wide nine instead of a five tech if not like more of a four i 
oh my God, like he's constantly disrupting and creating pressure. Another guy, 21 double digit sacks, 22 way less because teams are keen in double teaming him, uh, like making a point of attacking him against the run. So then he's tired out, making less of an impact against the pass. Derek Hall, number 29, he looks like a DB sometimes because he's that fast. Um, and then he's got this like real power as a rusher, um, had his moments at the senior bowl, that amazing 21 iron bowl where like Auburn or Auburn had it won until Bryce young just goes God mode. And like, I still don't know how Alabama would not be done. Like, he shouldn't have, but Bryce young just did his thing. He's playing like on the field. His footwork is playing whack-a-mole as like Auburn rushers are coming at him constantly. Evan Neal could not look more pedestrian. So there are flashes of Derek Hall and he checks off a lot of boxes for you. He's also one of the younger guys. Um, And yeah, you mentioned Ojulari. There's a series against Georgia where Ojulari puts in work against Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones is straight up shook. Um, Another guy, though, more compact frame speed rusher reminds me of the dudes that burn me. Um, Tuli Tuapulu, 4-3 only kind of guy, like a Keon White, super productive, switched up. God, his tape sucks sometimes. Like his tape, he looks so pedestrian sometimes. It's and and I wonder, like, what is the trait you have that's gonna make me pound the table for you as a in the top three rounds, I just don't know. Um, and we haven't even got into like Isaiah Foskey, Zach Harrison, you know, so it's deep. There's a lot of guys, but there's a lot of headaches too. Where are you at on Andre Carter? The second. I never understood the first round hype to me. He's the day three guy. Uh, so twitched up like, or so not twitched up. He's just like, long and kind of a stiff and yeah he was productive at army but like playing okay, as kind of great. a stand-up edge um so i'm very out on him i i just i don't see the upside really so it's uh Tough eval for him. Tough eval. And I mean, Zach Harrison is super long. I, I like him, but he's supposed to be the next guy at Ohio State. He never was. Just never was. He just disappears way too much for me. Sorry about the yeah. dog barking in the background, guys. We barely heard it. No, yeah. No I just... um, Too many of these guys disappeared for too long at a time. I, I could see Derek Hall certainly popping at the next level, but he yeah. feels very Shane Ray to me, where it's just... <laughs> Those couple moments were great, but what about the other seven weeks? I know. I know. It's it's so rough, man. Um, Broncos targets, guys who you would be particularly fond of, whether it's because they counter Nick Bedino and Browning or Gregory and Cooper nicely, or you think they'd be a nice fit in the Vance Joseph off uh, defense. You You tell me. Or simply names we haven't made yet that you're like, yeah, this guy's sneaky, intriguing later on. I mean, with, with where they're currently at, I'd probably like Murphy, probably be like the best fit, I think, mm. but he, I, he's not a realistic target, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, Harrison, I suppose, um, 
just I, I didn't love it, but I think that in this Vance Joseph system, he could be a pretty good fit next to some of the guys that we currently have. Um, Ohio State connection would help too. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, I'm I'm about it. I don't know. I mean, where are you at? Who would be like your top guy this year? Realistic target. Um, gosh, I could really talk myself into Will McDonald. Like I could really talk myself into Will McDonald if he came. It's just, man, I love this big 12. I love this big 12. Um, like that's an easy case to make of like, he was playing out of position as a five tech. He's going to be a wide edge. You can learn from a guy like Randy Gregory, who's a perfect dude to learn from. Um, and like, you just need him to pop early. But I mean, if it does, if it, if it hits, he could be a steal. He could be a steal. You, I just worry about the age. Felix Anadike Uzoma. I, I'm not sure. Sh- I think he's least likely of being around of kind of that second, third tier of edges we talked about. Um, so maybe I'm cheating. And I guess I'd prefer Ojulari to Foskey, but Foskey as a stand-up has more value than like trying to be put um hand in the ground. Foskey like makes a lot of plays, but if he's against an actual competent O-line, those guys will put him to sleep. So it's that's the thing. He's just one of those guys that doesn't do much if you get a competent Mm -hmm. offensive line, gets his lineman gets his hands on him, he just kind of disappears. But yeah, yeah, I I could see him being a guy that makes plays in space and you know is maybe an effective run tackler along the edge at times. I just I don't know. None of these guys are super exciting. Um Anu DK Uzumoa would probably be the most fun for me just in terms of having watched him the last couple of years, but I don't know if it's a good fit anyways in Denver. So it'd be kind of a, a risk there kind of scrolling through some. I tell you guys. as far as like late guys, Lonnie Phelps of um, Kansas had a nice year. He's got a compact frame, some deceptive speed to power to him. Had a good showing at the senior bowl, especially in the game. And then Nick Herbig, Wisconsin super productive, um, just tested miserably. But you know those Wisconsin outside linebackers, the, the they've always got some good qualities to them. I think he'd be a nice rotational guy who you might be able to uh, grab even on day three. And I'm I'm intrigued by Mike Morris out of Michigan, a guy we haven't talked about, but length played as a stand up edge. Um, you know, a bit of like a poor man's Rashawn Gary type deal. I like him. Um, I'll throw out Cade Hall as well as I, I'm not sure if he's really an edge. I think he's more of probably a traditional defensive lineman, maybe even in the interior if he's big enough. Um, San Jose State, though, had a couple of really impactful defensive linemen. I'm trying to find their other one's name. I, here it is. Vialime Fahoko. I wanted to pronounce it right, and I'm still yeah. pretty sure I did it wrong, but he was a beast. He's really impactful. I was able to get after the quarterback inside and outside. I think he's got some versatility there. I'm probably going to be, you know, like a late sixth round, seventh round type pick. Just a guy to keep your eye on. Did he declare? I thought he did. And if he's, if he's going back, we'll see. That would make that San Jose State defense nasty. 
I uh yeah, and then I I saw um San Diego State's guy um Two of Eyes kind of intriguing as well. They've been a couple of really interesting athletes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the program that's like produced over the years. Yeah, I mean, they've been consistent. There's a reason that that team basically a lock to win nine games a year. Like they just they run the football well and they play good defense. It's a winning recipe. For sure. Um, So that's this edge class for you. And now let's get into the interior D-line. But first... I've got to shout out the homies over at Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product. It's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn, though. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. I was super impressed with the with the frames, guys. Not gonna lie, I, I'm blind, so <laughs> if it is a polarized lens, it can often be overwhelming. Like, yes, it takes the the darkness or it takes the glare away, but the darkness is so overwhelming that my blindness it is just also comes into factor. These were great because it took the glare away. But I could still see it was clear. They're they're comfortable. And what's really good for a guy like me, I've got a crazy dog, obviously. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they are going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. So wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you you purchase. And uh, what's also cool about Shady Rays is they are providing support through um, Shady Rays Impact for nonprofit partners. Right now, they are building playsets for pediatric cancer patients. That's really cool. They're also working for with people with MS. They're just making a great impact in the community. That's really cool. Right now, if you yeah. go to shadyrays.com, you can get two or more pairs of polarized shades for 50% off when you use the code DNVR. Again, go to shadyrays.com. Use that code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Finally, want to shout out the friends again at Breckenridge Brewery. We love Breck at DNVR. They have been partners since day one. They have an awesome variety. They have a beer for any occasion. Right now, guys, Stanley Cup playoffs coming up. Load up on Avalanche Amber Ale. It just feels fitting. Last year after the Avs won the Cup, we actually had a Stanley Cup made out of Avalanche Amber Ales. I held it over my head triumphantly at the Breck farmhouse right before we touched the real Stanley cup. It was amazing. amazing. So now I just will forever have that association. Avalanche, Amber Ale, Stanley cup champions. Check out the Breck beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a Breck brew near you. Some great stuff and some great partners right there, man. Um, No doubt about it. Interior defensive line. Boy, been so Sam and Diane with this class. Um, I think in some ways they're better than a lot of interior defensive lines we've had over the last half decade. In other ways, a smidge underwhelmed with these guys as well. Um, another group where I think we'll have a consensus top one, I'd imagine, with Jalen Carter. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's him and then everybody else for me. But I like I like I like a couple of these guys for sure. But his outside of its legal situation, which is a whole yep. different thing, he's a freak. 
He is, man. And he's, you want to talk about high-end traits, there just are very few interior defensive linemen at that size who can rush the passer that way. Shouldn't be possible. You should not be able yep. to be that quick when you are that big and strong. Yep. He is a one percenter for sure. Like there are just very, 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 very few. Since this apparently is our basketball scouting analogy episode, it's like a, a big man who can run the floor up and down. There just are very few kind of guys like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've talked him up for and he a took over years in like the biggest moments too. You want to talk about a guy that always performed against the best offensive lines? I, I mean, if you're a if SEC fans could not be more relieved that this guy is done because he was just a game wrecker. Yeah. And I mean, on the field, floor and ceiling extremely high. Um, off the field complicates that because that lowers the floor significantly. And that's obviously where there's some some risk involved. Um, and where that, you know, I mean you just worry about the kid because him being that out of shape and not being able to finish drills at the pro day. Um, concerning, concerning when you're not able um, under this kind of scrutiny to kind of get some stuff together. So, you know, just from a human perspective, regardless of how his career goes, hopefully he can find some, yeah, you just hope he figures it out. Cause he's yeah. got all the talent in the world. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy, if you just, if you pause the world after Thanksgiving and noon, you know, had, had nothing December on and you came to the draft, you'd be like, this could be the number one pick, right? Like he is, he's right. that good. Right. The, yeah, the bears might've even been conflictive and in, in, in actually trading out because a guy like Jalen Carter's there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just super stout, super athletic, incredibly explosive, incredibly violent, hands and i think can refine a little more and can get to a point where he's playing more snaps and really being a, a dynamic force in the in the middle of a defense um and i think you know quinnon williams leonard williams these kind of guys i've graded really high over the years on tape he's he's as good if not better than I, 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 frankly, I think he's probably a smidge better than Quinn and Williams. I had Jake Allen. Is that the Bama Allen defensive lineman? What was his first name? No, um, the, the, that, the, that Washington drafted. Um, yeah. He dropped uh, a little, but I had him yes. ranked like tippy top. I'm going to say like Christopher. Um, that's not right either. <laughs> Damn it. That's Bama produces too many prospects. Um, I'll look it up. So, anyways, I, exactly. I, I, I think he's his face. Oh, yeah, me too. Um he's in that kind of elite tier on tape. Um, but as we've learned, like this, like the off-field stuff is a real deal. Like that's that's one of the biggest, you know, differences between a, a great prospect panning out and not. Um, so there, yeah. We'll see. I could see him being a top five pick still, and I could see him falling like into the teens twenty. Like you know, we'll we'll just kind of have to see what happens here. I don't. I, don't I think know he will be a Punzel situation because it won't be right, so sudden right. in terms of the shock. Like though, some team will have a couple of months to kind of talk to him, and hopefully, you know, he gets in shape and stuff, and 
does does better in some of these interviews that that happen moving forward. But it's unfortunate because he's a guy who's probably stock has fallen the most in, in yeah. the last couple of months. Like, I mean, again, it was potentially number one pick to, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he still goes top 10. Mm-hmm. Absolved legally, um, I, I, I believe. Um, so that's good. You don't have that hanging over your head. And I yeah, don't think that situation will play a, a huge factor into his draft right. status. I think right. the bigger concern was how out of shape he was for his pro day. Uh, human to human, I mean, he's obviously been through a lot. That was a very complicated situation. Um, I'm not an expert. I'll, you know, we can kind of talk about that more as as we get closer to the draft. But I mean, it, it it was a bad sight. And as a guy who can't help but think of that Preston Williams pro day we saw a couple of years ago, where it was a you know former number one wide receiver in in high school before he went to Tennessee comes to CSU, a five-star guy, had all the talent in the world, produced all season long, completely bombed his pro day, was out of shape, was unprepared. And frankly, that's basically been his NFL career. He's just, you know, completely fallen off the face of the planet. I don't even think he's going to be on a roster this fall. So it it's concerning because guys with all the talent in the world can very quickly just become, you know, an everyday mm-hmm. Joe pretty quickly. And hopefully that's not him. I'm not saying that is him. But that worst case scenario is what's going to be in the back of every GM's mind. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I mean, not to mention situations like Henry Ruggs, like, you know, these mistakes, it it just takes one to completely change someone's life and, um, you know, ruin, ruin the, the prospects of what should be a franchise cornerstone. So, He's a very delicate spot. Yes, uh, a fall for sure from being a potential top guy. I think he still has to be a consensus. Not even top 10, like basically top five prospect. Like, From what you've seen on tape, I think you can talk yourself into it's been a tough six months for him. Probably has not been as locked in on the training regimen as he should. He's young. He's immature. And you just bank on this being like a rough stretch, which everybody has. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. There's just so much at stake, you know, especially if you're one of these teams drafting in the top 10, you know, your job's on the line potentially moving forward. And that's, that's where it gets interesting for him because the, the ceiling is insane. But who knows where the floor is right now just because of his where he's at with his mindset. Like yeah. football-wise, I mean, his floor is even just like, a pro bowler assuming yeah. that there's not like other yeah. issues high-end starter certainly um yeah. how do you have after after carter that's where it gets interesting yeah <laughs> um, i i still would have uh brian brzee of clemson yeah i just we're in think agreement. He's, he's got great hands he's quick off the snap yeah he's got that like he plays kind of with that Bosa type mindset, I guess, where it just seems like he's constantly coming at you downhill. You know, I I think he could be more effective at, at times just because he's kind of stiff. Like I think he needs to to learn yeah. how to just get some more moves as a pass rusher. But I, I think if you look at especially at some of that 2021 stuff, I, I think he's gonna be 
pretty solid and and he did disappoint last year, but I, I think his ceiling is still pretty high. Yeah, basically misses all 21, uh, healthy on and off last season, and it showed. Yeah. Um, was as dominant a freshman as we've seen in a really long time in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's a difference between dominant as a freshman and like tape that's good enough for you to stand on being drafted in the top 15 of the NFL draft. Um, and then that's where it gets tricky is what is this kid's next evolution? Can he ever get back to that? And can he take that to the next level? So, you know, he can't have a first round grade for me because he just doesn't check off enough boxes, but he's right there in the next tier of guys whose upside is tremendous. That Van Ness, Nolan Smith, Anthony Richardson type tier. Um, I think all these guys are unnerving in that way though where it's you yeah. feel great if you were drafting him at 25 but what if you're drafting him at 12 i know i know and that's where like because you know there's teams like the eagles with basically a yolo top 10 pick who can kind of like roll the dice on something like this and pans out it pans out big if it doesn't it doesn't i have third northwestern's adetomia Aditaware, um, talk about so many of these guys are YouTube responsibly. His highlights do not do justice to the play in, play out disruption to the pocket. This young man causes green raw blew up the combine, absolutely destroyed it. The advanced stats are much better than the conventional stats, where his production is very meh. Played as a defensive end. I think he's perfect as a 3-4 defensive end. I think he's that Draymond type upside of rusher on the interior. I would not be surprised if he went really high in the draft. He ran a 4-4-9 at 270 pounds. Um, like, what, what are we talking about? Um, so he's he's special. He's special. But we're still, it's a lot of projection and upside. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It, it's mostly projection, but he's got all the traits that you love. I yeah. think he could... I think he could be inside or outside. I think we've seen more success from an interior standpoint as of exactly. now. But yep. yeah, I mean, I, I think he could, he could be anywhere on the field. And it, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's... The, the biggest riser in this group, especially after what he did at the combine, because he's just such a freak. Yeah. Just insane. You shouldn't be able to move. Like you just shouldn't. Like, I know I've said that about a couple of these guys, but it's same deal with like a Mazzy Smith, like Mozzie, Mazzy. I, I don't know. You shouldn't be that quick when you are that strong. Like I, I've got a lot of beef with some of Smith's game just because I don't know. I don't think he's a three down player. I think I just think he's going to be a really effective run disruptor. And I, I don't think he's going to be on the field in pass rush situations. Yeah. But you like his high end traits. You do. And, but it is the concern is he just a two down um, nose tackle? He's starting to get more first round love. He's I do think old... he'll go in the first round just because of the state of this class. Like, I think in a deeper class, he probably falls and teams are like, yeah, we like him, yeah. but we'd like to see more. But I, I just think when you're that big and you move that quickly, somebody will talk themselves into it. Who's your third uh, interior guy? 
it's Mazzy Smith. It's I just I think it's a flawed class, and I think yeah. he, I, if nothing else, he's going to give me two really effective downs. Um, he's a guy that I think could potentially be a target for Denver, just because I, I think if you put him on the inside yep. with what they have on the edge, it, it could be intriguing. I, I'd like that him going downhill. I agree completely. I think there could be something there. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is going to be quite different. The team building that is being pursued. And we've seen it in the O-linemen. Like, you're just looking for kind of different types of athletes than the, uh, you know, more finesse-oriented offenses we've and defenses we've seen implemented the last few years. I do have Keanu Benton ahead of him. I think maybe more of a three-down player out of Wisconsin, like the pass rush flashes, the flashes of being an interior penetrator that we saw at the Senior Bowl at Wisconsin. And I don't know why everyone else has gotten lower on him, but Jervon Dexter, in some categories, tested about as good as Brian Bercy, the Florida product. It's very frustrating because it's just flashes. He should be more of a finesse player, and yet he some of his best is like as a zero or one technique when he's right over center than as a three technique. Um, I think he's a guy who could play all across the front, even as a five technique, which in a three four makes him very intriguing. I think he'd be a really intriguing roll of the dice for a team like the Broncos if he were to drop to the 60s. Do you think that could happen? I kind of think it could. I'm surprised, but he his stock seems to be dropping a little bit. So I think he could be in the mix. I think some of these other guys we've talked about, including Maisie Smith, are probably out of reach. Um, Where are you at on Kalijah Cansey? Bro, because he we haven't talked about shot it. up the boards and is getting a ton of first round love. Yeah, I mean he ran a four six seven, <laughs> so that's what happened. And he's a pit guy, so he's getting comps to Aaron Donald. 6'1", 281, 30-inch arms. Smallish hands. So, yeah, you better be running a 4'6'7". Um, he's I'm disruptive, sure. though. He was a game-breaker, but you just worry, is it going to translate? Uh, dude, to me, he's Demarcus Walker, which people who remember my Demarcus Walker eval know that's not a compliment. Like... Everyone was so hyped about Walker because he was playing more on the interior, but it was like, I mean, yeah, he beats up on guards on third down once in a while, but he um like he's he just gets caught in the wash completely in the run. Like you talk about Maisie Smith not being a three-down player. If Kalijah can't Clancy stays at defensive tackle, he he's a third round. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you is should he be on the outside? Uh, yeah, to me, a hundred percent. I, I really don't. His tape is really infuriating because, um, you watch the highlights; it's all great. You know, he's just shaking guards and getting to the quarterback in a sec. He's never beating double teams, and you're not going to see many highlights against the run because he's getting his ass kicked morning to night. Um, Deslin, so he's number eight on Pitt. Deslin Alexander's a defensive end at about the same size, plain end. He's number five. He flashes more than Clancy does to me. Um, so, you know, I no disrespect to the kid. I just think we're at people making Aaron Donald comps just 
don't didn't evaluate Aaron Donald. I'm glad I'm glad you're with me, I guess, because I just I'm, I, I'm glad you're I see with him me. in so many top fives. And I'm like, I mean, I yeah, he makes plays at times, but as you mentioned, he he can't beat a double team. And it's not like he's in the SEC. I'm no disrespect to Pitt. You guys know me. I'm a Mountain West guy, but you got to keep this into consideration. Like he's yeah. not gonna be that guy on the interior at the next level. And I just I don't I, I get that he moves quickly and he has to. But I am a little bit surprised to see him kind of shooting up the way he has these past couple months. And I wonder if he's more just to, we got to throw some different names out at some point. (sighs) It feels genuine though, because I I mean, he's all the rave lately. 467, man. 280 pounds, 467. And and there's actual on-field production. There's actual flashes. And how many interior like rushers even come out? But you know, I... Post Aaron Donald, there's been a lot of Sheldon Rankins, these kind of guys. And I think I think the only dude that's really worked out is like Grady Jarrett. The the rest is a long list of like undersized, oh, he's gonna be. And it's like, no, he, he ain't shit. Like, cause once you get on an NFL walkers of the world. Yeah, because then you you enter an NFL like defensive tackle room. And you're just one of six guys who are over six foot, over 280 pounds. Oh, you ran a six, seven. That dude ran a four, eight, like big whoop. Once we're in pads, like it don't matter. Like, um, so I actually think Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green, who underwhelmed at the senior bowl, not a bunch of testing w- listed at the end on a lot of these. He's a big boy. He should be playing on the inside. He's I not, think yeah, he's not a defensive end. I think he's a fun, like, group of five guy. And Sakai Ika's really dropped because, you know, big whoop. It's like, uh, what did you think before the combine? What did you think Kansi was going to run or Ika was going to run before the combine when these guys' spots were switched? Is it really shocking that one ran a 467, the other, the other ran a 524? Like, they are who we thought they were. Like you could yeah. check off the box confirmed. Like what, what's the, how's Smaller that changing your quicker. rankings? Big guy yeah. runs a slower 40. <laughs> Shocker. Like, yep. Exactly what I expected. And now all of a sudden one's a bum, the other's a phenom. They, they're exactly who we thought they were. Um, so Ika, you know, is another dude like that. That's a, that's a nose tackles, nose tackle right there. And could be Where intriguing for the a- Broncos. Terrence Lang, just for a, a local guy, because not a ton of CSU prospects coming out this year, but is, yeah. is he a, a late-round pick for anybody, or is he a, more of a UDFA for you? It's probably a UDFA. Um, just never capitalized on that upside. Um, like so many... Gonna, you like a lot of the traits, but he just never did much with it. Totally. No, you love a lot of the traits. It's like so many buffs, that COVID season is where they peaked. So, so many of the current or most recent buffs that COVID season under College Oil is where they peaked. And Nate Landman, uh, who was that edge rusher that came out last year, was really Carson Wells. Carson Wells, and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the running the, back Broussard. And, yeah, yeah. And the quarterback has Sam Neuer had a career year that he'd never repeat. Um, and, you know, Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez, those guys who left have, you know, will actually get drafted and do some shit. Um, so no, it, uh, there's a lot of, I would love him as a UDFA in Denver. 
which, you know, they kind of do like every year you get a priority because in a rotation, broad shoulders, athletic, like he's got, he's got it all, but um, we should ask, we should ask um, Jake how he performed at the pro day. Though again, maybe he transferred. I don't know. We'll, we'll get more clarity. Um, any names in particular you're targeting for Denver on this interior D line? I give out Jervon Dexter where I just hope he drops so that that's possible. I think I'm probably with you. I mean, I like Brzee, but I don't think he's going to be there. No, I don't either. And Adetoware, just, it ain't happening. Keanu Benton, same thing. Maisie Smith, I I think Maisie Smith has worked his way out of them. Um, So yeah, it's more Dexter, which I'd hope he'd drop. Carl Brooks, but not in the 60s. I'm probably waiting more day three. That's what I was going to say. I mean, Carl Brooks would be fun. I just want him fourth round on. Right. Zach Pickens, South Carolina, intriguing, ran a 4A. Um, I do like Tavai, the kid out of San Diego State, but again, a guy at fourth, fifth round, but could be fun. There's some intrigue there. It's um, not really not the athlete. deepest class. It's just yeah, it's not just like the deepest outside class. of those top guys, and Denver's not going to be in position for him. It doesn't really feel like a group where where they're really going to you know draft it or have a realistic shot at many of these guys. Hundred percent. So that's uh, that's kind of it. Lots, lots of lots of names. YouTube responsibly. Um, and hopefully the Broncos get one from each group because I do think there's they some talent, them. some good rotational pieces, and some upside if put in the right hands um, and developed the right way. It's Justin Michael, DMVR Rams. Check him out. Um, and yeah, man, we'll be coming to you every single week with this. I think we'll break down O-line next week. So that'll be another banger. It's a really fun offensive tackle class and an interior and offensive tackle class that the Broncos might be intrigued by. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'm J. Mike and I, DraftPod, DraftKings Sportsbook. Later.